Hello, welcome back to The Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCrary, and today I'm going to be recapping week eight of the college football season. I'm also going to be talking about the NBA. The NBA season started last week. I already talked about the, the opening opening night games uh, that, ha- that were played last Tuesday, um, and obviously we've had uh, three more games played, or two more games played for almost every team in the league since then. So I'm going to talk about some, some thoughts that I've gathered watching those games um, and just looking at stats, seeing what's happened in those games. So I'm, I got I got two uh, or three NBA-related topics. I'm going to talk about Stephen Curry's performance against the Clippers last Thursday in which he dropped 45 points. I'm also going to be talking about some rookies, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley. Then we're going to finish the pot off talking about John Morant and, and, and how well he's been playing because he's been on fire. So let's go ahead and go ahead and get things started with uh, our, our my Week 8 college football recap. We're going to go through all the scores um, of games that included top 25 opponents. Starting off uh, with the Wednesday night game, Coastal Carolina played Appalachian State. They went on the road to, North Car- to uh, Moon, North Carolina, and Appalachian State won. They upset Coastal Carolina 30-27. After they kicked a 24-yard field goal to win the game. And Chase Bryce, man, he had a big game here. Completed 18 of 28 passes for 347 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, App State turned the, ball, turned the ball over twice in this game and still found a way to win. And, and Coastal didn't turn the ball over at all. Um, so shout out to App State. Big win for them. Um, and they're, they're not ranked yet. But they are on the cusp of being ranked. I know. I know in the AP rankings this week they got a few votes, uh, so they're very close to entering the top 25. Moving on to the Thursday games, SMU beat Tulane 55 to 26. Tanner Mordecai had a great game, 30 of 42 passing for 427 yards and three touchdowns. Big win! Uh, shout out to SMU uh, getting the 29 point win. Then Cincinnati beat Navy on Saturday, 27-20. to A close victory, but they did beat Navy on the road. Uh, probably their worst win of the season. They've been dominating opponents all season long. Um, and they were ahead by like 17 points in this game. Uh, but it got a little tight. I'm not like super surprised. Navy, when, when you're playing the military schools like Navy, Army, Air Force, they run the ball a ton. Um, and so it's kind of, and so, and that just drains the clock. Um, it limits the possessions that you're going to have, um, when you play them. So this game being close isn't too surprising. I would have liked to see Cincinnati hold on to their lead. Um, but the fact that this game was close isn't too surprising because like I said, uh, the military schools are, are, are just so run heavy. Um, and that makes it difficult to kind of build up a big lead. Uh, but Cincinnati won that game by seven. Then Oklahoma went on the road. Uh, they went to Kansas, and they beat the, the Jayhawks 35-23. to It was closer than the final score indicates. Uh, Oklahoma had a touchdown at the end of the game uh, to, to give them a 12-point victory. But this was a tight game, and Kansas had the lead at halftime. They were up 10-0, I believe, at the half. Um, but Oklahoma had a big second half. They scored uh, all their points in the second half. Caleb Williams had, had a, a very solid day, but shout out to Kansas. I mean, they're they're one and six on the, on the season after this game, but they fought um, and they didn't quit. They fought till the very end and almost got the upset 
Um, Oklahoma came through in the end. There was a controversial call at the end of the game um, on one of Oklahoma's final drives. There was a fourth down. Um, they ran it, and the running back got stopped. Kansas just stood up the running back, pushed him back behind the line of scrimmage, and Caleb Williams took the ball from him, got the first down himself. Apparently, a, league, a, a forward handoff behind the line of scrimmage is legal, so the play counted, and they got the first down, um, and they ended up scoring. So, shout out to, the, to Oklahoma for, for their win. Um, this is a tight one. And another close another uh, close game um, in a game they should have blown out their opponent. Um, Oklahoma just a, a weird year for the Sooners. Now, Tennessee, uh, they faced Alabama on the road. Alabama crushed them 52-24. Um, like the Oklahoma-Kansas game, the final score in the game, like, really, the final score doesn't indicate how close the game actually was. Uh, this was a tight battle in the first half, um, but things kind of snowballed for Tennessee in the second half. Alabama, they scored, uh, they scored 31 points in the second half, um, and that's how they were able to win, uh, by, by 32 points, um, or sorry, by 28 points, sorry, my bad. Um, but yeah, this was a tight game at halftime. It was 21 to 14 at the half. Tennessee was playing well. Um, and then Alabama just got things rolling in the second half. Ohio State beat Indiana on the road, 54-7. Big win for them. I think Ohio State's really good. Uh, I know they lost at Oregon, um, but they've improved over the last couple of weeks. I think Ohio State's a really, really good team. And I'm interested to see where they end up in the playoff rankings, which come out next Tuesday. The first edition of the playoff rankings come out next Tuesday. Michigan beat Northwestern at home, 33-7. Big win for Michigan. Um, Illinois, this game is crazy. Illinois upset Penn State 20-18 to on the road. Huge loss for Penn State. Uh, this basically crushes their chances of making the playoff, um, especially as they head into a matchup with Ohio State next week. I believe that, I, I'm pretty sure they're playing uh, Ohio State next week. I'm, I'm, no, they are. I know that, yeah. Yeah, they're playing Ohio State next week. Um, so huge loss for them. Uh, brutal loss, but shout out to Illinois. They won twenty to eighteen with their quarterback. Let's look at this. So their quarterback um, went. He 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 completed eight of nineteen passes for thirty eight yards, two yards for attempt, and zero touchdowns. And they still won the game. That's unbelievable. This game went to nine overtimes and nine overtimes. And what's really funny is that they went to nine overtimes. The over under was forty six. And they still failed to hit the over. Like, that's hilarious. Um, but they went to overtime. And I didn't realize this, but apparently there's new overtime rules in college football where after the second overtime, you just do, uh, like, a two-point attempt shootout, um, which I, I, I didn't realize that was a rule. Um, I, I, I don't know where I've been. I guess I've been living under a rock. But I didn't know that the rule had been changed. And, like, they did it so that games wouldn't go into, like, the ninth overtime. But the rule sucks because, um, like, it's just, it's not accomplishing what it wants to accomplish. It's making, it's going to make game, it's going to make overtime games last even longer because in the old rules, you, you still had to score a touchdown. Like, when you scored a touchdown after the second overtime, you had to just, you had to go for two. And that was a fine rule, but this rule just, like, it, it doesn't make sense because it's not, I don't want to say it's easy. Uh, to get a two-point conversion, but it's a lot harder to score a touchdown and then get the two-point conversion, 
so if you did that, like, you're likely going to win the game, um, at ar- earlier, uh, with those rules, but now, like, both teams get a chance to get a two-point conversion, um, and they don't have to do anything more, all they have to do is just, they're three yards away from the end zone, gotta get in, get the two-point conversion, and so it's easy that way for teams to go back and forth, it's a lot harder for teams to go back and forth when they have to score a touchdown, um, and go for two, um, just with the old rules, game, overtime games would end sooner, uh, because of the degree of difficulty of getting a touchdown, and then getting a two-point conversion, um, if that's necessary, if you need to get that. Uh, moving on, Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State, another upset. The, the slate for the college football games this week were not great, uh, but we did have some big upsets. Uh, this was another upset, Iowa State beating Oklahoma State 24-21. Oklahoma State's undefeated season ends. Um, there was a, a huge controversial call at the end of this game where Oklahoma State had a fourth down. They went for it. And it looked like, so the guy, the guy, the, the person that had the ball fell. And, but it, but it appears as if they fell on a teammate, rolled over their teammate, and rolled over the first down marker. Um, but they said he was down, um, during, after the play. They reviewed it, said he was down. Um, so huge loss for Oklahoma State. Um, but big win for Iowa State, like, big win for the cycle, and shout out to them, uh, huge win, this was a clean game, there were no turnovers, um, so I'm a little bit surprised, and, and both quarterbacks played well, so I'm surprised that there wasn't more scoring, uh, but yeah, big win for Iowa State at home, moving on, Oregon played UCLA, UCLA was actually the favorites in this game, uh, Oregon beat the, beat UCLA 34-31, to <clears throat> huge win for Oregon, and I just gotta say, Shout out to Kayvon Thibodeau. I'm going to his stats right here. Kayvon Thibodeau had nine total tackles, eight solo, two sacks, four and a half tackles for loss, and one QB hurry. Dude was incredible. Kayvon Thibodeau's been awesome all year. He's missed some time, uh, but he's still been unbelievably productive. Shout out to him. I honestly think that Kayvon Thibodeau um, should be in the Heisman conversation. I really do. Um, he's been unbelievable when he when he's played. Um, like I said, I know he's been hurt, but just his dominance has been unbelievable this year. Let's move on. Uh, LSU played Ole Miss. Um, th- this game was at Ole Miss. Ole Miss won 31-17, beat LSU uh, by 14 points. Um, big win for Ole Miss. Um, just LSU only scoring 17. Rough look because Ole Miss defense is not that good, uh, so I would expect LSU to score more. Um, I wonder how much the news that Ed Orgeron isn't coming isn't coming back after the year. I wonder how much that affected them in this game. Uh, but rough performance from their offense. Um, and Matt Corral, Matt Corral only had 185 passing yards in this game. Also, only had one passing touchdown. But he had I thought he had a lot of rushing yards. No, he just didn't have a a big time uh, performance in this game. Or not an extremely productive performance here. Max Johnson had a rough game. Uh, 146 passing yards, zero touchdowns, one pick, and a QBR of 43.2. Not great, but big double-digit win for Ole Miss. Then, uh, USC played Notre Dame on the road. Notre Dame won 31-16. They won at home. Now they're ranked 11th in the country. Notre Dame, really good defensively. I think they're a a bit underrated uh, by the masses. I think Notre Dame's a very solid team. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, if they can make the playoffs this year. I don't think they will because they're only ranked 11th. Um, and I don't... So, last year, 
last year, Notre Dame played an ACC schedule, and they got to play in the ACC championship um, due to COVID and everything. I, that's not happening this year, I don't believe. Um, so I don't know how they're going to possibly get into the playoff. Moving on, Wake Forest played Army. And this was a ridiculously high-scoring game. Army, Army w- scored 56 points in this game. And they still lost by double digits. They lost by two touchdowns. They lost 70-56. to 56. Um, Crazy game here. Uh, Wake Forest, they scored 70 points. Uh, they, they won by double, dig- by double digits over Army. Um, just a wild game here. Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman had 458 passing yards and five touchdowns. Just a crazy, a crazy game uh, offensively for both teams. Scored over, they scored 126 points combined. That's unbelievable. Uh, then South Carolina, they went on the road to Texas A&M. A&M beat South Carolina 44-14. Miami played NC State. Uh, beat NC State 31-30. NC State was ranked 18th heading into this game. Uh, Miami got the big upset victory. Shout out to the Hurricanes. They're now 3-4 and four in the season. Uh, big one-point victory for them. Then San Diego State played Air Force. They went on the road to play Air Force, and they won a 20-14. Like I said, like a lot of these games with the with the military schools are low scoring. Unlike apparently not for Army though, because Army just combined for uh, 126 points with Wake Forest. Uh, But uh, this game was was a a close game. San Diego State won by seven. I wonder. I can't remember what the spread was. I was looking at the spread for this game before the game. The spread was, I gotta go to GameCast, not the box score. The spread was, uh, Air Force, oh, Air Force minus three. Huh. That's interesting. So, Air Force was actually favored in this game. So, technically, this was, um, an upset win for San San Diego State. I kind of forgot that Air Force was the favorite heading into this game. That's interesting. Moving on, we only have, like, a few more games left. Uh, Clemson played Pittsburgh in a huge game for the ACC because um, Pittsburgh's trying to make the ACC championship. They needed this win, um, big conference win for them as they beat the Tigers twenty-seven to seventeen. Kenny Pickett had a big day, a uh, three hundred and two passing yards, two touchdowns. Uh, big win for Pittsburgh. I'm not surprised they won. Uh, they won by double digits. Clemson just continues to struggle this year. Shout out to, the, to Pittsburgh for getting the big victory here. UTSA played Louisiana Tech 45-16. Big win for the ranked. U, what is UT, UTSA's mascot? Let's look. I forgot. Are they the Roadrunners? They are. Okay, big big win for the Roadrunners. They won by a ton in this game. They won 45-16. Um, big blowout victory for the Roadrunners. And then to finish things off, Wisconsin beat Purdue. 30-13, to a uh, big upset win for the Badgers. Uh, Purdue was ranked 25th heading into this game, and they lost by 17 points. Disappointing performance for them, coming off that big win against Iowa last week. Shout out to the Badgers. I've been saying that I think Wisconsin's a bit underrated for a little bit. Um, I don't think they're a good team, or like I don't think they're a great team, but I think, I think they're a solid team. Um, so this was a, a nice victory for them. Moving on, um, so th- that's everything that happened in week eight of the college football season. Those are the scores. Um, now I want to talk about uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati is the number two ranked team in the country. I want to talk about how good they are. 
How good is Cincinnati? Are they really the second best team in the country? Do they really deserve to be the second ranked team in the nation? Um, let's see. Let's look at their resume because um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I believe wholeheartedly that Cincinnati does deserve to be the second ranked team in the nation. Here's their resume. So they're third in SRS, which is Simple Rating System. This is some, a stat created by um, College Football Reference, or really just like the football reference team um, with with, a, with, a, with like College Football Reference and Pro Football Reference. It's a metric that combines the strengths of schedule and scoring margin. Um, now, this version of SRS is something that I've is my version. Um, I use College Football Reference's strength of schedule metric, but I also but I combine that with um, points per play margin rather than um, just regular points per game margin. Um, and so that's how I that's how I've come to this number. So um, Cincinnati ranks third in my version of SRS. Um, and SRS isn't a perfect way to measure teams. Uh, but I, th- I think it, I think it, what it does do is it uses, I think it's a, a solid mention because it uses strength of schedule and scoring margins and basically says, are you, are you whooping up on the teams? And if you are, you're going to rank higher in that metric. And if you are losing to badly to poor teams, you're going to rank lower. So that's why I like this metric, but I do, I will say it does have flaws because, um, this metric does rank Coastal Carolina very high. Um, and I don't think Coastal Carolina is that good. Um, I think Coastal Carolina is ranked like second or fourth in the metric. But Cincinnati ranks third in SRS. They rank fourth in points per play or points per 70 plays margin. So basically, you take points per play margin, multiply it by 70 plays. That's the average number of plays in a college football game today. Um, they rank fourth in that me- in that metric. Their points per uh, 70 plays margin or their, their, their margin of victory per 70 plays, um, or points per play margin per 70 plays, is 32.77, fourth best mark in the country. That's really good. You like to see high margins of victory like that. Uh, they do, however, have the 82nd ranked strength of schedule. Not good. Um, and, and that's from, that's from uh, College Football Reference. I know they also rank very low in strength of schedule on ESPN site. They, but they do have the 8th ranked strength of record, and this is updated. So they have a top 8 strength of record, and they have a quality win versus number 11 Notre Dame, or what is now number 11 Notre Dame. And they dominated Notre Dame, in my opinion. Like, they had total control of that game. They were up by, what was it, 14 or 17 points in that game. They dominated the Irish, or the Fighting Irish. That was an amazing win for Cincinnati. So they have one, uh, one quality win. Let's look at them offensively and defensively. On offense, they ranked third in points per 70 plays at 47.16. They also ranked 14th in yards per play at 6.88. And they have a a good quarterback, Desmond Ritter. He is 31st in QBR at 71.4. If you don't know what QBR is, it's a metric that uh, uses EPA data and, and, and it includes like every facet of the game. Passing, rushing, sacks, turnovers, and penalties to measure quarterback to get one number uh, to measure quarterback play. So Desmond Ritter ranks 31st in that metric. And on defense, defensively they're elite. They rank fourth in points per 70 plays 
uh, or points allowed per 70 plays at 14.3 ma- sorry, 14.39. They rank fourth in yards per play allowed at 4.17, and they rank fourth in yards allowed per pass attempt at 5.28. Um, Cincinnati, they've had, they haven't had a difficult schedule this year, but they have dominated almost every team they they played, other than um, Navy or other than yeah, other than Navy this week. Um, and they have a great win versus Notre Dame. They also have a top ten strength of record, and they're elite on both sides of the ball while also having an elite while also having sorry not an elite quarterback while also having a good quarterback. And for all those reasons, I think Cincinnati is deserving of the of the um, second of being the second ranked team in the nation, despite having. Um, a, a poor strength of schedule, and I get people will say that hey, they haven't really played anybody, and sure, like their strength of schedule is bad. Uh, but I would say, look, yes, their strength of schedule is bad, but they're dominating those opponents. Um, they have a top ten strength of record. They have a big win against Notre Dame. They have a, a good, a really good offense, an elite offense, and an elite elite defense, and they have a very good quarterback, and, and they have a good passing attack. So I think. If they played a good, a really high-level program like Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, I think they could, they would survive and even possibly win that game uh, because they're so good on both sides of the ball while also being able uh, to attack those teams through the air. So I think Cincinnati is an elite team, and I think they deserve to be the second-ranked team in the nation. In the nation, they're phenomenal. Now let's go ahead and talk about the NBA a little bit. First off, I want to talk about Stephen Curry's performance against the Clippers last Thursday. He was incredible, had 45 points, 10 rebounds, and 1 assist on 82.7% true shooting. He shot 8 for 13 from 3-point range. Um, He had 25 points on 9 shots um, in the first quarter. He was unbelievable. Um, He also had a box plus minus of 10.7 in this game, which is awesome. Uh, the Warriors got out to a big lead in this game. They were up 44-27 to after the first quarter. But the Clippers kept on fighting. They, they, they clawed back, got back into the game, and, ev- and eventually took the lead. Um, before moving on, talking about continuing to talk about Stephen Curry and the Warriors, I got to talk about Paul George and Eric Bledsoe because they were fantastic in this game. Paul George had 29 points, 11 rebounds, and six assists on 63 or 63% true shooting. He shot five for 11 from three. He also had an assist rate of 30%, which is really good. And he had a, a box plus minus of 6.1. Eric Bledsoe, uh, he had 22 points, three rebounds, and two assists on 63.5% true shooting. He had a box plus minus of 6.4. Both those guys played really, really well in this game, and they're the reasons why the Clippers um, were able to get back into this game. Um, I do want to point out, I want to give credit to Damian Lee, because there was a stretch at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, where Stephen Curry was on the bench, um, and the Warriors were rolling with their bench lineup, um, and they were down by like seven points at this point, and Damian Lee had a crazy stretch, where he was hitting contested three after contested three, 
Um, and Jordan Poole had a couple of big plays during this run as well. Um, and the Warriors were able to get get the lead back and took the lead with Curry on the bench. Curry came back in and he hit two ridiculous threes at the end of the game uh, to secure the victory. Um, he had a three, like his first three that he hit, um, he passed it to Draymond. Draymond immediately passed it back to him and he was like six feet behind the three-point line. And he just immediately, immediately without hesitation, took the shot and drained like a 30-footer. It was unbelievable. Um, and then he had a play late where he grabbed the rebound, or someone grabbed the rebound, passed it to him on a fast break. And then he threw it up the court, immediately ran behind the guy he passed it to, uh, caught the little handoff, um, and then just immediately shot the ball on the move, drained it. Um, and so the Warriors ended up winning this game by two points. Shout out to Stephen Curry. He's been unbelievable this season. Um, he's been playing really, really well. And this was just a monster performance. Um, ben Taylor, who works at, or who, who created Thinking Basketball, you may, you may have heard of him, you may, may not have. Um, he does a lot of great work. Um, makes a lot of great videos. I love his podcast. Does a lot of great statistical analysis um, and film work. Um, he has, he recently released his rankings of the top 10 players in the NBA, and he had Stephen Curry number one, and I gotta say, I don't think he's wrong, like, I'm not gonna say that I agree, I, I, I don't have my own list, but, man, Curry was just unbelievable in this performance, and he showed why he definitely belongs in the conversation as the best player in the world, he's unbelievable, and the shooting is just, uh, it's just unreal right now. Moving on, I want to talk about some rookies, um, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley specifically, who have just been awesome through three games. Now, I know it's only three games, I get it, but they have been unbelievable. Let's start with Scotty Barnes. So, right now, through three games, Scotty Barnes is averaging 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 assists per 36 minutes on 57.1% true shooting. That's above, above league average efficiency. Um, he's been extremely productive. And his efficiency is better than I expected. Um, I thought he might struggle to score in the NBA. At least at least like at first. Um, but he hasn't. I mean, he wasn't a good shooter. Wasn't a productive scorer in college. But he's come into the NBA and been awesome as a scorer. I mean, he's averaging 20 points per 36 minutes on above league average efficiency. That's unbelievable. Um, it's really crazy for a guy who can't really shoot or couldn't shoot in college. Um, and in the three-point shooting, it hasn't been good so far. Um, but he's still been super productive getting to, getting to the basket. Um, just been super productive as a scorer. His finishing has been spectacular this year. Um, and it's like his leading and his productivity is been really impactful. He has a box plus minus of four. Um, he's got an OBPM of 4.5 um, and, a, and a DBPM of negative 0.5. He hasn't been a super productive defender, which has been, been a little bit surprising to me. I thought he would come into the league and be a pretty productive defender, um, but the steal and block numbers aren't great. That doesn't mean he, he's been a bad defender by any means because steals and blocks aren't a great indicator of defense, or they aren't the best indicator of, of uh, defense. Um, but I thought I thought he would be a little bit more productive as a defender. I think his defense will improve as the season moves on. Um, but his like on-off numbers are really good. He's got a on-court. So like when he's on the court, 
the Raptors' net rating is plus 11.2, which is really good. Um, and then his on-off numbers are incredible. Like his net, like his on-off plus minus is 26.2, which means that when um, when he's off the court, um, like when he when like the difference between when he's on the court and off the court is 26.2 points. So the Raptors are 26.2 points better when he's on the court than when he's off the court. Um, so I, I'd like to see his assist numbers improve as well. You know, he's only averaging two assists per 36 minutes, um, and, and he is an elite passer, um, or at least he was in college. So I think I'd like to see his assist numbers improve. Um, I think they will. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I also want to see his, his steal and block numbers uh, increase, but he's been extremely impressive early on. Uh, moving on, let's talk about Evan Mobley, who's been amazing as well. Um, he's averaging 16 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, and 4 steals and blocks combined per 36 minutes on 63% true shooting. He's also shooting 83% from the free throw line. Um, his his rate stats are really good as well. Um, he's got a 1.8% steal rate, a 5% block rate, and a 6.8% stock rate, uh, which are all incredible. Um, he's got a box plus minus of 2.4, an OBPM of 1, and a DBPM of 1.4. His defense has been spectacular. I've watched um, a good bit of his defensive, um, of his of his uh, possessions on defense, and he's been unreal. Like the awareness, the reaction time, um, his length is just it's all unbelievable. Um, especially considering. Um, he's only played three games, and he's already just having such a big impact defensively. It's incredible to see, um, and I like to see that he's averaging three assists per 36 minutes. That's really good, um, for a big man, and, like, he's averaging more assists than Scotty Barnes, like, who would have guessed? Um, so I like to see that, um, the rebounds are pretty good, like, not, he's averaging nine rebounds per 36, uh, while playing next to Laurie Markkinen and Jared Allen, so I think that's pretty good. You may think they're low, but considering the lineup um, that he's playing in, like, I think that's pretty good. Um, his on-off numbers are not very good, um, but that's probably a case of small sample size on a bad team, and I will say, like, for Scotty Barnes, uh, with his on-off numbers and his plus-minus data, um, take it with a grain of salt. Like, is he really worth 26 points right now? No. Like, we've only played, like, they've only played three games, so... Those numbers are skewed, so I wouldn't take any, I wouldn't, like, have, like, just, like, looking at these, like, on-off numbers, I wouldn't say, wow, Scotty Barnes is, like, an MVP caliber player, like, no, that's not, that's not the case, um, but it is interesting, interesting to see that through three games, uh, Scotty Barnes has been, um, has had a huge impact on the scoreboard, um, while, in Evan Mobley, I know he hasn't, but, I, like I said, that's probably a case of, you know, it's a small sample size, and he's on a, a really bad team. Um, but, yeah, both these guys have been extremely productive early on. Uh, both, it looks like both of these players will be in the running for the Rookie of the Year award. Um, that's been, that's great to see. I love Evan Mobley coming out of the draft. I thought he was the second-best prospect um, in this year's draft. Scotty Barnes, I liked Scotty Barnes. Like, I liked um, what he brought to the table in terms of his defense and his passing. I had some concern, concerns with how well he would do offensively without being a shooter or a scorer, um, because like he's not a, he wasn't a great scorer in college. So I thought you know you might not be able to let him dominate the ball, and if he's gonna play off ball, 
he needs to be a better shooter because he wasn't a great shooter in college. So I thought he might struggle to attack closeouts because I thought teams might not close out on him. Um, but that hasn't been a problem. He's been extremely productive. Um, and, I'm, and I've heard, I've seen clips on Twitter and, and people talking about him. It sounds like his shooting has been a lot better than expected uh, through, three, through three games. So shout out to these guys. They've been unbelievable. And to close out the pod, let's talk about John Morant. Let me get a drink real quick. Got some coffee here. Um, let's look at John Morant's statistical profile through three games because it's freaking crazy. Like, it's ridiculous how good he's been. So, per 36 minutes, he is averaging uh, around 36 points, um, four rebounds, and eight assists. That's, incre- that's crazy. And he's doing it on... 67% true shooting. Unbelievable production through three games. He is playing like an MVP caliber player. Um, let's look at some other metrics. Like Let's look at his rate stats. Um, or actually, let's look at his shooting splits because I was looking at those earlier. They're really interesting. So he is shooting 44% from three on six attempts per 36 minutes. That's really good. And what's interesting is that he is shooting 81% from the free throw line on 7.1 attempts per 36. That's an increase from his his free throw shooting last year. Last year he shot 73% from the free throw line on 6.5 attempts per 36. So he's improving as a free throw shooter and he's improving as a three-point shooter. Um, And what's really crazy is that... um, like, the three-point shooting hasn't been, like, it's not a huge outlaw. Like, it's not, like, unbelievable. Like, it's not like, it's not like he's shooting 67% from three. Like, Cam Reddish for the Hawks, he is shooting 67% from three right now. That's going to, that's going to decrease. He's never shot over 30, he's never shot, like, over 35% from three in his short career. So, that number is going to fall. But looking at this, John Morant could keep this up. I don't think it's unrealistic for him to continue shooting um, near 40% from three, considering his free throw shooting has gone up, um, and he's not shooting just a ridiculous percentage from three. Like, 44% is really good, but it's not like 50%. It's not in the 60s, so that's interesting. Um, I love to see the assist numbers. Like, he has an assist rate of 38.1%. That's great. Um, the true shooting, like his efficiency has been unreal. The passing's been great. Um, and he's been extremely impactful. Like right now, he has a box plus minus of 8.5, uh, putting him in, in MVP range. Um, he's got an OBPM of 9.3 and a DBPM of negative 0.8. But offensively, he's been unbelievable so far. Um, the Grizzlies are 2-1. and one. They just lost in the Lakers last night. Um, he's been just unbelievable. I'm going to look at his game logs in a minute. Let's look at his plus-minus data. So, um, his on-court, so on the, when he's on the court, uh, the, the, the Grizzlies, um, have a plus-minus of plus 7.8. When he's off, and the difference when he's on the court, they, so, um, there's a six-point difference when he's on the court and when he's off. So, the, the Grizzlies are six points better when he's on the court than when he's off the court. That's good to see. Um, so he's been super impactful, um, but like I said, that data is, is a little bit skewed since it's such a small sample size. Let's look at his game logs, um, see what he's done in each game. So uh, against the Cavs in the first game of the season, he had 37 points, 
six rebounds and six assists on 58.6% field goal shooting. Uh, in the second game against the Clippers, he had uh, 28 points, uh, two rebounds and eight assists on 52.6% field goal shooting. And then last night against the Lakers, he had 40 points, three rebounds and 10 assists. Also had three steals um, and he shot 61.9% uh, from the field. 71.4% um, from three on seven attempts. Also shot 81.8% from the free throw line on 11 attempts. Um, just unbelievable uh, production from him offensively. He's been incredible. And I wanted, I wanted to just talk about him, praise him for how well he's been playing. Because he's been unbelievable. Last year, he had a bit of a rough regular season. The efficiency was underwhelming. Um, but this year, it looks like he's a different player. I'm going to keep track. Um, I'm gonna keep my eyes on him. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep track of how well he's doing throughout the season. How well his shooting is. I want to see if his shooting continues to to stay at a high level. And if it does, we might be looking at a superstar offensive player here. Um, so shout out to John Morant. He's been unbelievable. But yeah, that's it for this episode of the podcast. That's all I have for y'all today. I hope y'all enjoyed it. If you want to see more content from me, check out my website, thewiresports.com. Check out my YouTube channel, The Wire. Uh, you can check out this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcast. You can also check it out uh, on my YouTube channel, The Wire Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at the Ryan McCrary. That's V R Y A N M C C R A R Y. You can also follow me on Instagram. My handle is the same as it is on Twitter. But yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and I will see y'all next time. Peace.